0: Tell me about your kids. Tell me about your kids is a conversation on connected parenting. Bonnie Harris talks to parents about their problems and struggles. Listen in. These conversations can be your support system in your day to day parenting journey. Hi, and welcome back to Tell Me About Your Kids. I'm Bonnie Harris. And this month, the month of August, I am doing a tip a week. Uh, Today's tip is going to be focused on the first principle of connective parenting, which is really deeply understanding that all children want to be successful. Now, I know that sounds, well, of course, yeah, okay, so what? But I'm talking about all the time. I'm talking about when they're throwing things and swearing at you and doing everything that you hate. The important thing is to be able to use your mind (laughs) to look at the situation differently, see that your child is having a problem, not being a problem, and then look at How that child is using this behavior to try to be successful. Kids, in my way of thinking, are always okay. They just want to be understood. They want to be heard. They want to be important. They want to be included. They want to belong and feel understood. And they're always, always okay. The problem comes when we Look at their behavior, look at them and see that they're being a problem. We look at them and think about what a problem they're being for us. And that's where it begins. That's the rub. That's when we then react to try to get them to change, to try to get them to behave the way we want them to. And they can't because now they've got our disapproval, our, our punishments, our yelling, our threatening to fend against. And they typically fight that with their resistant behavior, which just keeps the negative cycle going. So I want to talk about this basic principle because it is so, so, so important to understand. The thing is that no child, and I I hear from parents all the time, he's just doing this to get my attention, he's trying to get control of the family, she never listens because she just thinks she knows everything. Here's the basic premise of the first principle, that children want to be successful, no child is happy being manipulative or out of control. That doesn't mean the children don't get manipulative and don't become out of control. It means that they are not happy in that place. They are there out of default. They are being manipulative probably because they've learned it from us, from their parents, on how to get What they want, how to do something to try to get what they want, because that's what they're all about, remember. Children want what they want when they want it, and that's their job. And when they can't get it and they get criticized for wanting it, they can learn to become manipulative, but they don't like it. They don't like being manipulative or out of control. So, success. In this context of this principle, all children want to be successful, is defined as a sense of personal rightness and accomplishment in one's developing ability to express needs and have them met, of being in balance or alignment with oneself and one's world, to be in a state of regulation or stability. A successful child feels confident in himself, and emotionally secure. His behavior is appropriate, this is important, to his temperament and his stage of development. That means his behavior could be annoying as hell. But if it's age-appropriate and temperament-appropriate, that's the behavior that tells you he's doing just fine. This definition of success has nothing to do with, you know, being successful in the world, money, owning things. It's not, nothing about that. So at the core of raising a successful child must be a basic trust in the individual and the developmental process. It requires parents to step back and watch to understand and trust the child's motives and to learn who he is and what he's capable of before stepping in to correct behavior. When a parent sees a child's will as manipulative or disobedient and stubborn, fears take over and then reactions happen all over the place because we're so afraid that they're never going to learn or that they're going to be this way or that way when they get older. And then the child's integrity must fend off these angry reactions. And the fending off is usually perceived as misbehavior. But the misbehavior is the child's attempt at being successful and in balance, right? So, When you see misbehavior, it tells you that this is the only option the child has right now in her attempt at being successful. So if a child is screaming at you, I hate you, that means, first of all, she's feeling I don't know what, unloved, unaccepted, misunderstood, powerless. She's feeling something in that emotional state that is meeting with something that's happening in the outside world and her behavior comes out as inappropriate, right? She's screaming, I hate you, you never tell me I can have one." what I want. I never get what I want. So it's up to us, instead of trying to explain, what are you talking about? I gave you a new thing yesterday. What do you expect from me? That's that's adult rational thinking. It's important to interpret that behavior. Understand that she's trying to tell you something. She's trying to get something across to you. And it doesn't have anything to do with that whatever it is she's asking you for and you're saying no. She's trying to get your understanding of where she's coming from. She's trying to get you to see that there's absolutely nothing wrong with her because she wants it. But the tone in your voice is probably giving her the message that there is something wrong with her. So she's got to fight that. And she's got to say something that she knows is going to push your button. Like, I hate you. You're the worst mom in the world. And that then is going to set you off, which then sets her off again. You see how we get into that cycle And it spins and spins, and then we're in a power struggle. And when that happens, we're always going to fight to the death because we want our child to understand that she is wrong. She is being bad. She is—her yelling at you like that is wrong and bad, And so you keep up with the power struggle. You keep with your rational reasoning ideas that she shouldn't feel this way because you did something wonderful for her just this morning. And why doesn't she appreciate that? That isn't even in her scope of language. She's trying to tell you, not to talk to her like that, not to have that tone. And so what we end up doing in a power struggle, my definition of a power struggle is two children the same age out to win. What happens in that power struggle is that you keep it going, expecting your child to suddenly stop and say, oh, I get it, mom, okay all right, now I understand. I'm sorry. I'll stop yelling now. <laughs> really, that's that's at the bottom of our expectations. That's why we try to explain and reason, because we want our child to see it our way. But in fact, what your child needs and the only direction on which she's going to be successful is when you can see What it is she means. And what that means is you being the grown up first. You can't expect your child to step out of the power cycle and be the grown up first. That's your job. When you find yourself in that power struggle, see if you can tell yourself, my child is trying to tell me something. It's not what it sounds like, something that's going to get you to stop and step out of that struggle. When children feel under attack from our negative judgments and criticisms, they're left with no choice but to engage in counterattack. If the perceived enemy remains invested in hostility, the power struggle, it's the rare child who can back off and change his behavior. Most adults, and certainly children, think that withdrawing from the attack leaves them too vulnerable. So we all persist in that fight to the finish. Defensive reactions appear to be the only chance of surviving the onslaught of criticisms and blame. So now pay attention here. We do a good job teaching our children strategic maneuvers to get what they want in the power struggles we engage in. But if you behave like a grown up, you will be the first to leave the battlefield, right? When you are willing to step down and say, let's just take a break here. I didn't mean what I said. I'm upset right now. I need a break. Let's come back to this later. That's stepping out of the power struggle, right? But it's only if you can see that no matter how awful her behavior is, it's still her attempt to be successful. She's trying to get you to respect her and respect her wishes. So Think about your tone. Think about your attitude. I'm not saying it's you have to give her what she wants. Absolutely not. But when it comes with that frustrating tone of, Why do you keep asking me this? Would you just stop? I'm not going to buy you that. Or do you realize how much I've done for you? You see, when we have that tone, it's like it's like a blow-by-blow attack to our children. It's very disrespectful. It's very disarming. And they don't like it. You wouldn't like it if somebody talked to you like that. So when she comes back with something that you think of as rude and disrespectful, ask yourself where she might have learned that, ask yourself what's going on with her that she feels the need to be so dramatic with her words and her behavior. When you can focus on the drama of that, when you can focus on the intensity of that as the struggle she's dealing with in order to get past the obstacle she feels that's in her way then you start to look at it differently and you see her behavior as her hurdling trying to hurdle the obstacle that she sees in her way which is in this case your disapproval or your disrespect or or her perception that you don't think she's good enough. I remember a long time ago when my daughter was very little. She had just mastered walking, actually. She was climbing the steps on her you know, that little Fisher-Price toy slide, she would climb up the steps and slide down the slide over and over and over again. She was so intent on her work that she forgot I was in the room. And I didn't remind her. I just really wanted to watch. I was fascinated. Often she would climb to the top of the steps and fall or trip on a step. And many times I thought she was going to start crying, but she didn't. Each time she got up and she tried it again, always differently, until she got it. I just, I sat there watching in awe at her determination, and it was, it was a really great lesson for me in how capable she was of correcting her mistakes. Yeah, she's climbing up a little slide, but this is important, She was correcting her mistakes. I continued watching her throughout her childhood and found again and again that trusting her, although never easy, paid off. Even though many of the decisions she's made in her now 30-something years have been frustrating or worrisome or not ones I would have made, I've learned that by walking away from the battles, which I was engaged in with her daily for her first five years, that walking away from them, I was able to just find trust in her and sit back and watch. With basic trust in your child's capability comes acceptance. And that is a need more powerful than love, even in the face of misbehavior. So I say that because I really, truly believe that acceptance is more important to a child than love. Because if you think about it, probably 97% of parents love their children. But how many accept them? How much of the time do you truly accept your child? Horrible behavior and all. It's such a deep, deep, deep need in our children to feel accepted by you, the most important people in their lives. So with that acceptance comes confidence. They feel confident in themselves When they can look in your eyes and see that acceptance mirrored back at them. And that means even in the face of horrible misbehavior, that is their attempt to get over a hurdle, that you see that, you express what you think about it. I do not want to be spoken to like that. I don't like that what's going on, but you're talking about it from your point of view. You're owning it rather than saying you can't do that. Don't you ever do that again. Who do you think you are? That is blame and shame in a nutshell right there. But you have every right to be angry about something your child is doing. Just own it. I Start with I. I get so angry when? That's fine. Yeah, we all do. And you're also modeling for your child that she has a right to be angry too. It's just how we get these things across. And when we dip into that fear, it never comes across in an accepting way. So our traditional reward and punishment system necessarily implies that a child is naturally unruly and disobedient and requires training to be otherwise. So we train the child to listen, not to his internal cues, but to his parents, who always know best, right? Like it or not, we set our children up to grow dependent on someone else to tell them whether or not they're okay. Natural connection to those internal cues is broken right from the beginning for so many children. That sets the internal balance off, and the child is thrown off track and thus misbehaves in their attempt to be successful. The parent reacts punitively to the misbehavior, and families become entrenched in that vicious cycle. So punishments and rewards, opposite side of the same coin, train the child to behave the way the parent wants and society expects. Yeah, well, you could say, isn't that my job? But what's happening is that we're disregarding what the child needs. Usually out of ignorance, not malice, but we try to get the child to do what we want for his own good. <laughs> Yeah, that's what we do. We get to the ends of our rope. We're drained. We're exhausted. We're tired. We're, we're frustrated. We're angry. We have a lot of resentment towards so many things in our lives, and we just dig in our heels and teach our children how to dig in theirs. So we've got to really just stop take care of ourselves take care of yourself do what you need to do to get your cup filled to get some resources back you know and that's anything from yoga class to therapy do your work when you do your work you'll come to this parenting job the hardest job on the planet More resourced, more able to stop and connect. But when you find yourself in that place, when you find yourself so frustrated and angry with your child, not in the moment, you can't do it in the moment, you're caught. But as soon as it's over, as soon as you can, as soon as you settle down, try to remind yourself that. This was your child's opportunity to try to get over a hurdle, to get something across to you, to be successful, and then see if you can figure out what the hurdle was, what the obstacle was, and how it is that that behavior was her attempt to get over it. Next week, I'm going to give a talk on how to reframe those assumptions that you make in the heat of the moment. What is wrong with her? How can he talk to me like that? Who does he think he is? Where does she get off? What a brat. I can't stand this anymore. I am losing it. I am out of control. I never should have been a parent. All those thoughts that roll around in our heads, that's what's perpetuating our emotions and then our reactions. So tune in next week, and I'm going to give you some very specific steps to take to reframe some of those thoughts. All right. Until then. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. I'm Bonnie Harris. If you're curious to learn more or would like to talk to me personally, check out my website, bonnieharris.com, where you can also find my books, When Your Kids Push Your Buttons, and Confident Parents Remarkable Kids. There are also links in the liner notes. And please subscribe to Tell Me About Your Kids on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Tell Me About Your Kids is produced and scored by Echo Finch.